Well, today we celebrate, as we enter into this third uh, Sunday of Advent, time really, I mean, goes so fast, it's hard to believe it's already the third, the third uh, week of Advent as we're going to be starting it uh, today. So as we enter into this third week of Advent, notice we obviously wearing different colored vestments, rose vestments, and the, the candle we lit was rose, because it's a symbol of our closeness to Christmas, Gaudete Sunday, meaning it, it's the, Gaudete means joy. So there's the joy of the Lord that we are getting close to Christmas, the birth, the celebration of the birth of our Lord. And if we look at these scripture readings today, we have Isaiah chapter 35, and there's this theme throughout the scriptures of, you know, patience, not complaining, and that has to do with our experience of the desert. John is preaching in the desert. In our first reading from Isaiah, we hear him say, you know, the desert and the parched land will exalt. They will bloom with abundant flowers. And so and if you think about it, you know, we're, we're talking about the desert experience and how it correlates with Christmas, our personal experience of Christmas. As I've spoken before, Christmas isn't meant to be something that happens um, out here, it's meant to happen. The whole point of Christmas is an interior birth of the Christ child within each of us. At baptism, we all become members of the body of Christ. But this birth of Christ within us is something we can't make happen. You can't make a baby in the womb grow real fast. It takes nine months. It takes patience, Right? Just being with the child, nurturing the life of the child, caring for the life of that child, awareness of that child. So the same with us. We need to, in this time of Advent, if you will, cultivate, nurture, care for, become more aware of the child within us that Christ wants to be born again and again and again in every human soul. And that's something that has to do with me and God in a very personal way, my personal relationship with the Lord, as it has to do with each of y'all and your personal relationships with God. And so I'd like to think about the desert first, this idea of the desert. What is that desert experience like for us? It's a desert is obviously a barren place. In a desert experience, I'd like you to think about and correlate with your experience in life of being disappointed. How have you in your lives been disappointed? If you've been married, there's no doubt you've been disappointed. <laughs> if you have a job, there's no doubt, or if you work, there's no doubt in your workplace you've had disappointments, feeling let down. In the church, there's no doubt you've experienced being let down in the, even in the church. In your spiritual life, you've sat maybe and prayed and you felt disappointment. Maybe, and this is, I think, the biggest one I'd like you to think about, is how have you experienced disappointment with yourself? This is important, okay? Disappointment, feeling let down. That moment where you feel the letdown, feel the disappointment, feel like the rug's been pulled out from under you, where your hope has been not fulfilled. That's disappointment, right? 
that experience, whether it be a relationship at work, uh, whether it be uh, uh, your own personal life, your prayer life, your finances, whatever it is, where did you feel disappointment? That's the desert. You're right there at that moment. When you have that disappointment occurring in your lives, that's the desert right there. You've tasted it. You're experiencing the desert right at that moment. So think about that. How have you experienced the desert in your lives? How have you experienced disappointment in your lives? Because it's in those moments where we feel and taste and experience disappointment in the desert that Christ, our faith, becomes a central point of comfort, a source of hope, a source of joy. I can't tell you how many times I'm in confession, and really confession can be explained like this. The naming of a sin, in a nutshell, is looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> That's confession. Anytime you look for love in all the wrong places, look for love in too many faces, there's only one face that can ultimately give you and I what we're looking for, what we're hungering for, what we're desire, what we desire, what we hunger, what we thirst for. Only Christ can satisfy us. But how many of us really believe that? Because when we have the desert experience and we feel let down, our hope bubble has been popped because what we thought or who we thought would make us happy doesn't do it for us. And so we have this experience of the desert, dryness, disappointment. And what do we often do in those moments? We don't stay in the desert and think about what we're experiencing. We don't reflect upon or contemplate the human experience of being disappointed. What do we do? We want to get out of the desert as quick as possible. What do we do? Refrigerator. Cookies. Potato chips. Pizza. Go to the mall. Go to Amazon. Order, 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 order. We have our ways of running. We all have our ways of running from the desert. Yet, without the desert, you can't have the birth. You can't have a personal relationship with Christ if you have all of these false gods that interfere with the only God in your own personal relationship with God. So we all in here are, are obviously proclaiming or professing to be followers of Jesus Christians, right? All of us here. But this is the question is, we say it with our mouths, I believe, Jesus is Lord, I love God. I love God, Lord, I love you, you're number one in my life. But does my life actually speak that truth? Or am I just doing lip service? And then am I wondering why? Why is not God working in my life? Maybe because when you get in the desert, you don't first call out to the Lord. You run to the refrigerator before you run to God. Or you run to the television before you run to God. You need to become aware of how you respond, or I should say react, to your desert experience of disappointment. Disappointment is simply placement in the desert to be found by Jesus. Not to say, Jesus, I don't think you're going to work for me here. 
I'm going to ask you to please step out of the driver's seat. I think I know what I'm doing. I'm now going to drive my life. And we become really much obsessed with control. And all it is, guys, is I'm afraid of the desert. I don't want to be disappointed. And I can't admit that anything in this world or anyone in this world can't ultimately satisfy me because that would mean that my life on earth will never be satisfied. But listen, why are you afraid if you believe that God is your answer, that God is your hope, that God is your solution, that God is my peace, my joy, my satisfaction, and my fulfillment? I'm asking you, church, to claim it today. I'm asking everyone in this church to stop following Jesus because I'm telling you to follow Jesus, and I want you to follow Jesus because you're making a choice to follow Jesus on your own. You need to make a choice, a personal choice and decision to make Jesus your Lord so that when you're in the desert, you're not going to run to all these false gods like we all do at times, right? Looking for love in all those wrong places. But I want you to find the desert to become reflective of it and aware of it and how you react in it. Now listen to our second reading. First of all, our psalm, number 146, what's our psalm response? Lord, come and save us. Save us from what? From running to all these other substitutes for you, God. I'm tired of making idols for you, Jesus. I don't want to live in idolatry anymore. See, we don't think of that word, making an idol. All of us don't think here, I'm, I worship idols. Actually, everyone in the church, if you sin, you worship idols. You have an idol. I have an idol. We make idols. That's the first commandment. You shall have no other gods besides me. You shall have no other gods besides me. So when you feel disappointed, it's an opportunity to turn to the true God. So next time your spouse disappoints me, don't get all frustrated and angry and be like, only if I had a husband like that, or if I had a husband or wife like that, or if I had a job like that, or, or man, if I could lose this amount of weight, or if I could lose that amount of weight, every one of those things are empty, false promises. Now, I'm not saying that our husband or wife shouldn't maybe work on improving, or the climate of our workplace couldn't be better, or that our health shouldn't maybe get better. That's not my point, but my point is when I think those things are gonna make me happy, there's something wrong because ultimately you could get, everyone in here could get everything they wanted right now. Let's say if I can magically wave a wand and give you everything you wanted. Guess what? You'd still want more because you're not made for this world. <laughs> Do you realize that? We're not made for the world we're in. I think sometimes we forget that we're pilgrims on a journey. I think sometimes we forget that our hearts are made for heaven. And we want thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want heaven to come to earth. But the fact is, is it's already here, but not yet. It's already here in that God promises to give us his life, his grace through prayer, the sacraments, the church. But it's not yet come to fulfillment or fully been realized in every one of our hearts. Okay? Now listen. Lord, come and save us. The desert and the parched land will exalt. 
How can there be exalting in the desert? Only if, only if someone provides. The name Jesus means God provides. Yahweh, Jesus, God saves. Yahweh, God provides. He's going to provide for you and I in the desert. But often again, just when Jesus is about this close to letting him be God in our lives, we intervene and we cut him off and we short-circuit him by running to this God or that God or this fridge or this TV show or uh, this shopping mall or this or that. We, we have all these ways, again, of escaping. So I want you all to listen to the book of James that we've, we've been reading today. This is chapter 5 of James. Be patient, brothers and sisters. That's what he says. Be patient, brothers and sisters. Until, big important word, until what? The coming of the Lord. When you're in the desert, be patient. When, when your wife or your husband or your kids or your workplace or life lets you down, be patient. Listen to this. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and late rain? You too must be patient. How many of us would plant a seed in the ground, go to bed, get up the next morning, dig it up and see if it's growing? And then you say, man, it's not growing yet. Put cover back up, go back to bed, get up the next day, dig it up, see if it's growing. Be patient. Let the thing alone. Leave your wife and your husband alone. Leave God alone. God, God's working in everyone's heart in a different way, different degree. My point is this is you got to be patient. Growth like a flower takes time. The fruits take time. We pray for. We are Christ to each other to the best that we can be. And let God be God. Don't try to make and force the growth, just like the baby in the womb. You got to be patient. You got to be patient. Okay, now listen. Make your heart firm, he says. You know why he's saying that? Because we don't like the desert experience. You know why a lot of us perhaps get uncomfortable sitting at church and being still? Or maybe going to the chapel here sometime during the week and doing nothing? You know why we get uncomfortable with that? We're afraid of the desert because we're afraid God's not going to come through on his part of his promise. We want to microwave everything. We want to do a drive-through Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I don't have time to stop at the church, but I'm going to do a drive-through. Throw some grace out the church window while I'm driving by. <laughs> we don't like to sit down and maybe go to the store and get the things we need to cook a meal, but we want to get the microwave version, the freezer version, throw it in the microwave, push five minutes, it's done. Pull it out and we eat it. See, there's something to say about preparation. There's something to say about waiting, being patient, preparing, listening, reflecting on how you react to your wife or your husband or your work or your coworkers or your coach, your teachers, your friends, how do you experience yourself? How many of us even know ourselves? We're so busy that we don't even know what's going on inside of us, and then we wonder why we're not having any peace. 
And we're just out going here, going there, and everywhere. So the Lord's like, come to me, you who are labor and burden. I want to give you rest. Jesus' heart's like yearning for you to come and just sit for a few minutes in that chapel once in a while. Or come a little before mass and sit in the pews or whatever it be. Find a quiet place. Okay, listen. Make your heart firm. Why? Because the coming of the Lord is at hand. You don't need to worry about making yourself some gods. Remember the golden calf? People of Israel, they didn't want to wait. Moses went up the mountain to talk to God to get plans, get orders from the Lord. And they down there went back to their old ways of worshiping false gods. They made a golden calf. They couldn't wait for the Lord to come through. God has something better for you and I. Why would I want to short circuit God when he has a plan for my life that it's going to unfold in time? And we can interfere by getting in his way. And listen, this is the line I think we all need to hear. Do not complain, brothers and sisters, about one another. The only reason we complain about one another is because we don't have God in his rightful place. If you expect your spouse to be God, you're going to complain all day because your spouse will never be God. If you expect your boss at work to be God, or if you expect the president, if you expect the pope, if you expect me to be God, you're going to complain all the time because no one of those people can be God. And this is where our world is. The crisis we're in, guys, in our nation and in this world in general is a crisis of faith. We've put faith in people, but God doesn't work. See, that's the problem, because then we just butt heads all the time and beat each other up, because you're not being God. Then you point at me. You're not being God. You're not being God. You're not being God. You're not being God. You're not being who I long for you to be for me. Well, guess what? There's only one God, and none of us are him. He's the God of the universe. He's Jesus Christ. And so think about this. You're here at church. You know why? You can rest assured that the deepest desires of your heart will be met and satisfied in Jesus Christ, and there's no one else like him. There is no other. You know what the word holy means? There's no other. He's the one and the only love. But will you buy into that? The devil right now is running a commercial in your head, and he's saying, yeah, but what if you had this? But what if you had that? Or what if... What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? All these what ifs. No, finished. Let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. No, Michael, no one can satisfy you but God. Can you tell yourself that? No, no one will satisfy you but God. But that's a decision I can't make for y'all. You gotta make that on your own. You believe that you're at mass because you need to be at mass. You know why? Otherwise, you're gonna try to make everyone else in your life a God. And that's going to drive them nuts and you nuts. So do not complain. Now, finally, our gospel reading. Where was John preaching? The desert. Why would John not be downtown Jerusalem, where all the people are? Why would you preach in the desert? Because he wanted to get him away from the distractions. Because when he was going to tell him what he needed to tell him, it was going to burn a little like peroxide in a wound. 
John knew, God knew, that if he got him out in the desert and he spoke the truth to him in the desert, I don't got it on me, but my phone, I can't run to my phone in the desert. There's no Wi-Fi in the desert until Las Vegas came around. There's no Wi-Fi in the desert. There's no connection to the, the, the web in the world in the desert, okay? In the desert, guess what? It's you and God. That's it. You are there alone with the Lord, and we're all shaking because what am I going to do without all my false gods? What am I going to do without all these things I usually use to escape the desert? I don't have them. What am I going to do? It's kind of like someone had stopped smoking. What do I do with my hand now? I don't, I don't, I'm so used to having a cigarette, man. I don't know, you know what to do. It's the same thing for all of us. You put down your phone. Try putting down your phone for a, a day. Try turning it off for a day, and you'll see how much you depend on your phone to escape yourself. Because in yourself is a longing for heaven, and unless you believe in God, you can't live with yourself unless God is there for you. We'll just run to this, run to that, run to this, run to that. So in a nutshell, Advent is important because Christmas can't happen unless you understand your own desert experience and how you're responding to your desert experience through going to God or running to whatever it is you and I run to. So let's not be afraid of the desert. And I want you this week to think about ways you escape the desert and call out to things rather than God or people rather than God. Let God be number one. And that's a decision that we all have to make. And believe me, it eliminates a lot of unnecessary suffering for everyone if you just put God in his rightful place. If you live the first commandment, I'm the Lord your God, there's no other. So as we continue mass, let's pray for the grace to be patient and waiting waiting on the Lord as he comes to each of us and invites each of us to allow him to be our Lord and our, and our Savior.